turn over to Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter number 2, it's where we go for the Christmas story, isn't it? And I'm so thankful. Christmas, the day of Christ, so much that we depend upon because of that day and the fulfillment of Scripture, we're so thankful for it, but... um, I pray that throughout this Christmas season that uh, you take the time and especially it'd be great on Christmas morning maybe to teach the kids that it's more about Christ and sit down with them and maybe read about Christmas and read about Jesus before they just tear into presents. And uh, that's what we did the whole time growing up and that's what we still do. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for that. If you found Luke chapter 2 and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin reading in verse number 8. We're going to read about the shepherds this morning. Luke chapter 2, and we're actually going to read all the way down to verse number 20. Luke 2, verse number 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, And see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's come back and look at verse number 11. And this is where we'll take our text and the message to start off with this morning. Verse number 11. Why don't we read this verse together? You ready? Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. Let's read it together. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now that we found it there on the page, why don't we read it again? Verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why aren't you thankful for that verse? I'm so thankful for it. I'm going to preach because I've just been hung up over the past few weeks about these shepherds and this statement that was made to them. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then I started thinking about the shepherds. And uh, I'll say a little bit more about it after I pray, but I'm preaching on this subject matter, worth saving. Worth saving. And looking at the shepherds this morning. Let's have a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Father, we sure do love you. Lord, thank you for the Christmas season, but most of all, we thank you for the Christmas message. And Lord, I pray that throughout the next few moments, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray as we look at this subject matter of worth saving, Lord, that if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, may they understand before this service is over that in the heart of God, they are worth saving. And Lord, would you speak to hearts? Lord, show us the value, Lord, that we have in your life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's so much that we could say, and I'll summarize about some of the shepherds that are here. I've thought about what it must have been like on that quiet evening as they're outside, I believe, outside the city of Bethlehem, and they're on the rolling hills, and they're tending to their flocks, and they're keeping their sheep, as the Bible says, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up, and imagine this sight. If you're seated out there or you're laying on the grass, how many ever went out at night, laid in the grass, and looked up at the stars? Isn't that wonderful? You can lose yourself as you try to look deeper and deeper into the number of stars that are out there. And I don't know what these shepherds were doing. I don't know if they were having a conversation amongst themselves. I don't know if, if uh, it was past their bedtime and, and uh, they were actually dozing off a little bit. But then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and gives them a message from the Lord himself. That he tells them, first of all, and we've looked at this previously, tells them to fear not. And you say, well, why would the angel have to say that? Well, if you're sitting out on a hillside and it's real quiet and you're enjoying the evening and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord shows up and starts talking to you, wouldn't you be a little bit fearful? Tells them to fear not, then tells about the message that he's, he's bringing to them. I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. And I noticed something in this message that first of all, this, this message is supposed to be proclaimed to everybody. It's actually good news and good tidings and bring joy to all people, not just a select few. But then he individualized it for them and says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. And then the Bible says that with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. You say, how many is that? I don't know, but heaven was filled with angels. And a heavenly orchestra that is praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine all of heaven lightening up with all of this and the heavenly host and they're all singing and then they disappear as quick as they came in. And when they were gone back into heaven, the shepherds start talking amongst themselves. I've often imagined what it would be like on the other side of all of this, as God himself being the great conductor of heaven. As cue the baby being born in Bethlehem. 
Cue the star shining in the, in the sky. Cue the angel going forth and speaking to him. Now choir, be warming up over here because in just a moment, that's your cue. And everybody on key and the announcement from the angel, choir, you're ready to go. They start singing and that's a wrap and heaven folds back up the curtain for the evening. And I thought, here is God conducting all of this in heaven. And the message that was given and the angels with haste, excuse me, the shepherds with haste, the Bible says that they came and they, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe. And then they leave there rejoicing and praising God and made abroad the saying which was told them. The saying that was told them was the verse that we read back in verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. As I looked at this subject matter, and some of you may be saying, okay, what does this have to do with worth saving? Do you understand that God chose out of all those that would be upon the face of the earth, out of all the kings, out of all the prestigious religious leaders that were living upon the face of the earth, all the devout religious people that were there around this time, God chose to be able to go out on a hillside and to reveal and give this message of a Savior being born and give the message to some shepherds sitting out on a hillside. You say, well, that's no big deal. Well, it is if you go back and study the culture of that time. Can I say that the shepherds and being a shepherd and having that as your profession was not the highest class of citizen? It was that that you would spend several nights out, sometimes weeks and months at a time, as you followed the pattern of being able to feed your sheep and keep up with the sheep and the the work that went into this. It wasn't that maybe one person just held all this farmland and they could just let the sheep roam, but they actually had to lead the sheep and and spend the time with them. You, You maybe wasn't that much of a family man. Maybe you didn't have that much stability. By no means would you be a a big political leader in that time because you wouldn't be around there. You were just a lowly shepherd. You say, well, pastor, where do you get that from? Well, I was reminded while thinking about the job of a shepherd about what a shepherd's father said about him. All the way back in the book of 1 Samuel, remember before King David was anointed. Remember as all the brothers came before and before Samuel and the next king was to be anointed and God said no to all of them. And Samuel said, but do you have any more sons? And they, he said, yeah. He said, I've got one more, but here's what he said. But he keepeth the sheep. In other words, he's just a shepherd. In other words, he's not here when a family meeting is called. He's not here when all the brothers gather themselves together and one of them's going to get a promotion to be the next king of Israel. He's just keeping the sheep. And he's out there on the backside. And Samuel said, well, go and fetch him. We're not going to sit down till he come hither. But I thought throughout history, being a shepherd, you understand in Moses' life, 
when he ran away from the Lord, excuse me, ran away from Egypt and he was 40 years on the backside of the desert there. You know what he did for those years to be able to hide out so that nobody could find him as they were seeking his life back in Egypt? He was a shepherd. And so I thought, Lord, why would it be that you would come and you would give such an important message? They didn't have any ability to be able to put it in print. They didn't have the internet. They couldn't tweet it out. They couldn't put it on Facebook. They couldn't put it on Instagram. They couldn't spread the word as quickly as what we think they could. But God chose. Here's some shepherds. And I'm just going to go ahead and reveal to them the greatest message that's ever been given to mankind. A Savior is born in Bethlehem. And then I started thinking, I said, what a tremendous message. And I want to look at a few different areas, actually the characters of Christmas really, and be able to see this this morning as we look into the the context of Scripture. And I want you to see this morning the different, um, what we would say, not just political classes, but social classes of people that I believe God looked at and said they're worth saving. They're worth saving. Here we come to the shepherds and we see that the humble and the low class in society that God is worth saving. When we see here with the shepherds, he says here, and I've underlined these two words in verse number 11, as he's speaking to the shepherds, he says, for unto you. There's a personal Savior that is born here in Bethlehem and God chose to be able to go what what some of that day would see say as the low class in society. Those that are just a shepherd, listen, they don't smell that good. They may not look that good. They may not dress that good because they've been out wearing the same clothes maybe for the past three weeks as they've been out there keeping those sheep and traveling with those sheep and you've been laying down in the sheepfold with the sheep. How do you think they smelled when they came back into town? How do you think they were as people would be gathered around? But yet the Bible says here that the message from heaven came to a group of lowly and humble shepherds out on a hillside and says, I want to remind you, unto you is born this day. Those that were lowly, those that were humble, those that were of what society would say is of low class. And may I remind us as we look throughout the scriptures that it is those that are saved and get the message of the cross over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't always have to go to just those of a higher social class to be able to give the gospel? How many of us would be saved today if he only went to the rich people? If he only went to the one percenters? If he only went to those that had great political status? Aren't you thankful that the message of a Savior being born is good enough for no matter what social class someone may be in? You say, but I'm just an old farmer. Hey, that's what Amos was, and God used him to be able to write one of the books in the Old Testament back there. By the way, Amos is back there, okay? You find him now so that you don't have to look him up when you get to heaven and say, I didn't even know you were in the Bible. He was just, as the Bible says, he was just a herdman. 
Just a herdman. But you know something? The gospel came to him one day. Aren't you thankful that there is nobody that we come in contact with that would be too poor and too undone to be able to give them the gospel of the Savior being born? Well, I'm thankful for it. You can walk down the street and you say, but pastor, they may not smell the best. No, and sometimes we don't either. And pastor, they may not look the best. Oh, but pastor, they don't have a good job to be able to contribute to the things of the church. And pastor, we don't want to bring that crowd inside the church. Let me say this. It doesn't matter who they are or what social class they're at. They may be in the humble and the low class according to society. But in God's eyes, guess what? They're worth saving. And here he shows up to some shepherds that are out on a hillside and saying, hey, unto you is born. That may have been the best news that they'd ever heard in their lifetime. Boy, they may have been walking down the street and said, hey, get out of the way. Them shepherds are coming down through here and they don't smell the best. But in God's eyes of everybody on the face of the earth. Hey, now listen, we're going to see he came to Joseph. He came to Mary. Hey, it was announced. It's been prophesied all the way through scriptures. We understand this. But when the curtains of heaven were rolled back, listen, they were not rolled back in a presidential palace somewhere. They were not rolled back down there at the White House and in the political arena saying, hey, you're the upper echelon of society. We need to give you this message. It was rolled back to some humble and lowly farmers. Some shepherds outside of the city on a hillside saying, hey, you're worth it to God. Can I say this? Walk by, I challenged the, uh, the ladies. I, I told them yesterday, and uh, some of them got a big smile on their face. I said, I don't know how long it's been. I said, since someone told you, I said that Jesus loves you. You know, sometimes we think that we have to be a, a certain class. Sometimes we think, oh, the, the gospel's only for, for those that have a bunch of money. Church is only for those that, that, uh, that, can, that can dress a certain way. Now listen, I'm all for dressing up for church. I praise the Lord for it. If I was walking inside the White House, guess what? I'd be dressing up. You say, I don't respect that. I would for the office. I would. When I walk into our state capitol down here, guess what? I dress exactly how I'm dressing right now. But you know something? God looks a whole lot beyond that. You say, I don't have all of that stuff. Let me say this. There's still a message for you. And to God, you're still worth saving. You say, well, is that message for me? I'm, I'm down and out. I'm lowly. I'm humble. I don't have much to be able to offer God. Hey, yes, because he offered everything he had for you. And you're worth saving. You mean some shepherds out there on the side hill? Yes, I want you to know they're worth saving. Let me say this to you. I looked over and I'll just read this to us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. I've, I've never met someone that God said they're not worth saving. I've never met anybody. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're reminded what the Bible says in verse number 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, in things which are not to bring to naught things that are. 
And the next verse summarizes it all as this, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, I believe one of the reasons, and there there's several reasons that I've looked at for the angels, and I'm going to move on in the message, but several reasons. One, I, I believe that they looked at it and said, well, we're not worthy to be able to share this message. We're not worthy to receive this message. They went and found it out. They went and searched it out. They find Jesus. They find Mary. They find Joseph. And the Bible says this, that they went and published it to everybody they met. Now, you know as well as I do, when good things happen to common people, well, we talk about it, don't we? Because it's, we just think, hey, this is odd to us. We're not in that circle that this is happening all the time. So when something big happens, boy, we try to tell people. Can I say this? There were those in the king's household. There were those in the political leadership and everything. They were used to big news. But here you have the shepherds, and boy, they got a message from heaven. And they went down and they saw the Lord Jesus Christ laying there, and they left. And listen, I believe this, and and you you can disagree if you want to. I believe this is really one of the first cases of rednecks. I mean, they are they are just literally shepherds that are out there on the side hill, and they start telling everybody what happened to them. Man, there we were. We were on the side hill and heaven opened up. I mean, they told everybody that they came in contact with and published it to everyone. You know why? Because they thought, hey, why would this happen to us? And that may have been the biggest thing in their life to ever happen. And they made sure to be able to tell everybody. And I believe God knew. Hey, you know something? If I, if I send this up the ladder and it gets to the king's household and it gets to the political leaders, they're just going to brush it off to the side. They're not going to go tell anybody. But if I make this big deal in the life of these shepherds, boy, they're going to remember it and tell everybody for the rest of their lives about the message that was given to them. You say, Pastor, you're reading into a whole lot of that. Hey, I'm just reading what the Bible says that they left there glorifying and praising God. They're telling everybody they come in contact with about the message they just received from heaven. You know why? Because they were worth saving. But then can I say this? Turn back with me to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. And we have the announcement to Joseph. And I see two different groups here that are worth saving to the Lord. We see the shepherds who were humble and according to society, they were low class. But I see Joseph as he's being announced about what's taking place. I see that the moral and the religious crowd is worth saving to the Lord. You say, what do you mean? Well, look what the Bible says. Verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, look at this, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I looked at the message that was being given to Joseph here, and can I remind us, as the Bible says, Joseph was a just man. I believe Joseph was a religious man. Joseph was one, as we read in chapter 1, I believe he was mulling over because the, the Old Testament law, that which was given by God, is he was now betrothed, he was engaged to a young lady that the Bible says came up pregnant. And he knew that it wasn't his. But according to Old Testament law, if pregnancy took place before marriage, according to the Old Testament law, the Bible says that that young lady was taken out and she was stoned to death because of her lifestyle. And I believe that him being a just man and a righteous man and a religious man, may I say this, I believe the Bible says that he was thinking on those things. He didn't want to do that publicly, but he thought about these things to put her away privately and not wanting to embarrass and not wanting to bring shame upon her name maybe and, and upon her family name and maybe even upon him. But I thought down through here, I said, here's a moral and a religious man. But may I say that even a moral and a religious man is worth saving to God. You say, but pastor, I'm not one of those shepherds. And boy, how many times we say things like that in life, don't we? We say things like, well, I'm not one of those down on the street. Well, I'm not one of those that don't provide for their family. I'm a moral, upstanding citizen. Can I say this, that you're even worth saving to God? You're even worth saving. You say, well, I'm a religious person. I do all my religious duty. Yes, and that's what Joseph was looking at too. He's going to keep the law. He's going to do that which was right according to the law that God had given. Can I say this? He says, I want to remind you that Jesus, you're going to call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. And I thought, you know, we may have both extremes, what we would say both extremes sitting here this morning. We may have those that would say, I, I, I identify more with that shepherd crowd. Put me out there, I mean working and stinking on a farm, and if I come walking into church, nobody wants to sit within 10 feet of me because the stink has just soaked in. Or we might have those that say, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm a pretty good upstanding religious person in my community. And pastor, for you to say that I'm a sinner, for you to say that there's things in my life and, and I deserve to be separated from Almighty God for all of eternity, pastor, I just don't agree with all of that. May I say this, that it's still true according to the Word of God, but yet because we're sinners, we're worth saving. We're worth saving. When the Lord looks down, it doesn't matter how high and lifted up we may think we are. It doesn't matter how low and humble we think we are. Both are worth saving in the eyes of God. The Bible doesn't say it's impossible for a rich man to get saved, but he, did, he does say it's, it's harder because they don't see their need for a Savior. Those that are whole, the Bible says, have no need of a physician, right? How many here have been healthy all week long and still went to a doctor this week? 
We go for regular checkups. We go for things. But listen, I'm not going to go spend that money and go see a doctor if there's nothing wrong with me. It seems like, hey, you're doing fine. You go to the doctor. They're going to find something that's wrong with you just to be able to get it taken care of. And I thought, listen, there's sometimes we as a, as a people sit back and say, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I have everything together. You're still worth saving because we have need of a Savior. But then I saw this as I looked at Joseph's life. I also saw this in verse number 21 that we see that Joseph being a moral and a religious person. Can I also remind you of this? I was reminded of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 where he starts talking about sinners. And you know what Paul said? Of whom I'm chief. Of whom I'm chief. You say, what do you mean? Do you understand? You can go back to Philippians chapter number 3 and it actually gives the entire religious pedigree of the Apostle Paul. Do you understand the Apostle Paul was one of the most religious people of his day? He said this about his religion. He said as touching the law, as touching, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as touching the law, listen, he said he was blameless. When it came to his religious service, guess what? You couldn't find anything wrong. Not a thing. I believe he was there for every service that he was supposed to be at. I believe that he said his prayers anytime that it was required to say prayers. I believe he memorized as a good Jewish boy. I believe he memorized in Jewish school what he was supposed to memorize in the first five books of the Bible. I believe he had all his religion down and he said, listen, look at any part of it. He said, I'm blameless. In other words, he was living the religious life to a T. But then one day he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he said? He said, I realized he was a sinner. He said he realized he was a sinner. A religious going to synagogue, doing everything he thought was right. But he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And when God looked down upon Paul, guess what? God said, you're worth saving. Even though you may have everything right, everything you think you're trying to accomplish. And then Paul realized he's the chiefest of sinners. In other words, Paul was saying, even though he was a very religious, he said, there's none of you sinning more than me. <laughs> he's the chiefest. He's the worst one of all of them. Listen, being chief in that category is not what you want to be. But he said, line up all the sinners that are out there. And he said, I'm the worst of all of them. But to God... He was still worth saving. I'm sure people looked at the life of the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle and said, boy, he's a, he's a religious person. Boy, I tell you, every time the synagogue doors are open, there he is. Boy, he's got everything right. Boy, go ahead and name any of the scrolls down through there. And I believe Paul could stand up and he could quote them. Had them memorized. Religious person morally upstanding, high class in society, but he's still worth saving. Still worth saving. Third of all, I saw in Matthew chapter number 1, when he said it in verse number 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I wrote down, and I was excited about it, that when we look at worth saving, I thought about the nation of Israel. 
And do you understand that the nation of Israel, and you can trace this back all the way back, we read about it in Sunday school, about their rebellion in Malachi. We read about their rebellion against God. You trace it all the way back through the Old Testament. They rebelled against God. They disobeyed God. They turned their back on God. But yet the message that was given to Joseph is, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And I thought, you know, even a rebellious nation against God is still worth saving to God. And you say, Pastor, do we have one of those today? Boy, we sure do, don't we? You say, oh, I don't know. America's not that bad. You go ahead and compare 200 years ago on how much Jesus focus there was in our nation. Can I say this and just let me remind us of something? that one of the first acts of the Continental Congress after it was formed was to use government money to be able to buy 10,000 Bibles to be able to hand out. Boy, we've gone a long ways, haven't we? You say, well, listen, with as far as America's gone and everything that's taken place and the sin that's prevalent, hey, listen, it's still worth saving to God. If I didn't believe that, listen, there is no sense standing up and preaching week after week after week if I didn't believe it was worth saving. If I didn't believe it was worth saving, there's no sense going downtown handing out a gospel tract to someone. There's no sense going down telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ if people in America are not worth saving. You say, Pastor, as a whole, they're turning their back on God. I understand that. It's those people that need Jesus. Boy, they need Jesus. You say, what's going to make a difference? Jesus is. What's going to make a difference in America? Hey, let me remind us of this. It's not America that needs revival. It's God's people in America that need revival. We've got a lot of churches. You get into some places across America, there's a church on every corner. And they're fighting with each other across the street. I've literally been at places, hey, where we went down to Alabama for the Alabama meeting down there in Wetumpka, Alabama. There's Grace Baptist Church on this side of the road and those that have been down there, and I don't know the name of it, there's another Baptist church literally across the street from it. Literally across the street. You say, well, what's going to make the difference? Hey, God still believes it's worth saving. Or else he still wouldn't be calling preachers to proclaim the Christmas message. Or else he wouldn't be speaking to families. He wouldn't be saving souls. He wouldn't be changing lives one person at a time. God still believes it's worth saving. But what it's going to take is the same message that was proclaimed to Joseph, the same message that was proclaimed to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Can I say this? It doesn't matter if you're humble and of low class according to society. It doesn't matter if you're a moral and religious person. It doesn't matter if you're a rebellious and backslidden nation on God. You're still worth saving. But then finally, can I say this? Turn back to Luke with me. Chapter number 1. And we read about a young lady. And the Bible says this about Mary in Luke chapter number 1. In verse number 28, it says, 
And the angel came in unto her, Luke 1, 28, and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Jump down to verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Jump down, we know that the, the account is given. Mary says that, Let it be unto me according to thy word. The angel departed. Jump down to the words of Mary in verse number 46. Luke chapter 1, verse number 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God. Boy, look at these two words. My Savior. My Savior. You say, but pastor, don't you, don't you know about Mary? Don't you know all the things that, that she was sinless? And she was perfect. And she was upright. And she was favored by God. Can I say some of those things are true, but many of those things are not. The Bible does say that she had found favor with God. The Bible does say that she was favored among women. Blessed art thou among women. But when Mary realized in her heart and life who she was carrying. And let me say this, and I believe the story, I mean the, the song may be sung, and I'm not against the song, okay? But it's usually sung around this time of year, Mary, did you know? Let me say this, it presents the Lord Jesus Christ, but the answer to the entire thing is yes. Mary did know what was going on. And we see it by this statement where she said, My soul doth, my, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. May I say this, that even the upright and the favored, those that's well liked by everybody, guess what? You're still worth saving to God. You say, but I, I'm not a very religious person, but, but I'm a moral person. And, and everybody likes me and there's not one thing that I wouldn't do for someone else. And, and uh, I, in fact, I, I give everything that I have to feed the poor and, and I do this and I do that. Hey, you're well favored. Wonderful. But can I say this? You still need a savior. Now, listen, the one lady throughout history that God chose to be the mother of his only begotten son still had to get to the point of realizing that Jesus was her Savior. You say, well, I don't know about that. That's not what, that's not what churches teach, and, and that's not what I've been taught all my life. Can I say this? When I read it in the Scripture that even Mary said, God, my Savior, there would be no need of her to have a Savior unless there was something she needed to be saved from. And that was her sinful condition that separated her from Almighty God.
You say, well, but she was carrying the only begotten Son of God. Yes, she was. But she was still a sinful human being just like the rest of us. And a sinful human being needs a Savior for all of eternity. You say, but Pastor, I just, man, that's the first time I've heard anything like that. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to take what the Bible says and you say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I would rate right up there with Mary. She needed a Savior. And you know something? Let me, let me explain this. Even a lady good enough to carry the only begotten Son of God was still worth saving to God. Still worth saving. Now listen, as I looked back over that subject matter, as I started thinking about the shepherds and why God would, would present the message and give it to them, I thought, well, we have the lowly and they're worth saving. But all throughout the Christmas story, over and over and over again, we just keep reading the word Savior. 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 And I thought that's the whole purpose he came. That's the whole thing that was being accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ being born, raised up, living a perfect and sinless life, dying on an old rugged cross, and raising from the dead. That's the whole gospel in a nutshell. Hey, Jesus was perfect. He died on a cross. You know why? Because listen, let me say this. The shepherds couldn't save you. They had the message, but they couldn't save you. But can I say this? Joseph couldn't save you. Even though he was moral and religious and trying to keep the law and to be able to keep his religion, Joseph couldn't save you. May I say this? Israel couldn't save you. You say, well, that's my, that's my heritage. And I look back at my heritage and my, my parents are Christians and my, my grandparents are Christians. And after all, I live in America. I mean, America automatically has higher favor with God, don't we? No. Guess what? That couldn't save you. Can I say this? Mary can't save you either. She can't. As high-favored as she is, as blessed as she is, as special. Listen, I mean, she was carrying the only begotten Son of God. She couldn't save us. She couldn't save me because each and every one that I just mentioned needed a Savior. Every one needed a Savior. Can I say this? No matter where you find yourself in those categories this morning, you say, well, I'm just the down and out. I don't know if I'm worth it to anybody. Well, let me say this, you're worth it to Him. You're worth it to Jesus. For Jesus to be able to leave His throne in heaven, and do you understand the next place He laid down was a manger in Bethlehem. You know why? Because I believe He looked forward through time and He said, you're worth it. You're worth it. You say, well, I'm not the down and out. I'm, I'm a pretty religious person. Yes, but you still need a Savior. And you're worth it to Jesus. You say, well, should we keep this up here in America trying to reach people? And Yes, can I say this? It's worth it. You're worth saving. And you're here today and you may think I'm, I'm too far gone for God to save me. 
You know, one of the greatest joys, and I'm about done preaching now, you know one of the greatest joys that, that I've had in my life is I so enjoy walking into a prison somewhere and sitting down with someone and having them look back across at me and they may be as broken as they possibly could. Man, they've ruined their life, so they think. They've lost everything. They've lost their family. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their friends. They've lost everything. And then they say, but preacher, I appreciate you coming in here, but there's no hope for me. There's no hope. God doesn't even want me. And to be able to look at them and say, you know something? You're worth it to Jesus. And you may be sitting here today, I don't know the, the condition of your heart. You may be the worst husband, the worst father, the worst provider, the worst friend. You may be saying, hey, there's no hope for me whatsoever. Can I say this? You're worth it to be saved. You say, I'm not worth it to my family, but you're worth it to Jesus. Boy, we could look at so many things throughout the scriptures. Just because the clay is marred in the hands of the potter doesn't mean he throws it away. But he breaks it back down and he makes a new vessel that's fit for the master's use, that's as beautiful as can be. You know why? Because it's worth it to him. And I just want you to know that you're worth it to Jesus. Everything that takes place at Christmas, I believe, was just to show humanity. You're worth it. Pastor, don't you know what I've done in my life? You're still worth it to Jesus. Don't you know I'm a pretty good person? I take care of my family. I provide for them. They have everything that they could ever desire. Yeah? And you're worth it to be saved. To the Lord Jesus Christ, you still need a Savior. Maybe it's time we get it settled in our hearts and lives that if they're worth it to Jesus, they're worth it to us. And I love the end of the story with the shepherds. And I could preach for another hour on this subject matter. The Bible says, When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto him, them. Can I say this? You're worth saving, but he's worth praising. You're worth saving, but he's worth praising.